This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Guidestone. Guidestone envisions a world transformed by Christian investing. Through screening, corporate engagement, and impact investing, our investment strategies allow investors to be more proactive with their investment dollars to make a meaningful difference in the world while preparing for their financial future. Learn more at guidestonefunds.com faith. So you think you know everything about your IRA? Well, get ready for a pop quiz. Hi, I'm Rob West. Whether you already have an IRA or you're thinking about opening one, there are several things you should know. And what better way to measure the depth of your knowledge than a little test? We'll take one today and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, first a little inspiration. Proverbs 18:15 reads, "An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge." So let's seek some knowledge about IRAs. Here's our little quiz, and don't worry, this won't count toward your final grade. All right, just to make this easy, these will all be true or false questions. Number one, you can't open an individual retirement account if you already have a qualified retirement plan with your employer. True or false? It's actually false. An IRA can be a great way to supplement your retirement savings even if you have a 401k or 403b with your employer. In 2023, you can contribute up to $6,500 to a traditional or Roth IRA or $7,500 if you're 50 years or older. You can even have a traditional and Roth IRA, but the combined contributions must not exceed those limits. All right, question number two. You can invest in anything in an IRA. True or false? That one is false. Your IRA isn't an investment in itself. It's more like a bucket that holds your investments, which are managed by the account's custodian. That custodian will offer you a wide variety of investing options like bonds, money market funds, stocks, and mutual funds. But there are limits. You can't invest in things like whole life insurance policies or physical precious metals. The latter requires a different animal, a self-directed IRA, which is a topic for another time. Okay, question number three. If you should die, your IRA must go through probate and be distributed to your heirs according to your will. True or false? That one, fortunately, is also false. Like many financial accounts, your IRA allows you to name one or more beneficiaries to receive those funds in the event of your untimely death. The beneficiary designation supersedes anything specified in a will and prevents the IRA from going through the sometimes lengthy probate process. You do, however, have to keep the beneficiary designation up to date if you go through a major life change, like the death of a spouse. The custodian can't read your mind, so making your intentions known with a new beneficiary designation is vital. Question number four. At some point, you have to take money out of your IRA. True or false? 
Unfortunately, that one's true. Traditional IRAs come with required minimum distributions, or RMDs. When you retire, you may not need the income generated by your IRA, and you'd be perfectly content to just let the assets accumulate. Uncle Sam, however, sees it differently. He wants his cut and is only willing to wait so long. That means you'll have to start taking money out of your traditional IRA by April 1st of the year after the year you turn 73 and a half. In 2033, the age for RMDs will be extended to 75. Now, if you're worried that you'll need a calculator and calendar to figure all that out, don't worry. IRA custodians are required to send you an RMD notice by January 31st each year. You really want to pay attention to those notices, by the way, because if you fail to take an RMD on time, the penalty is a whopping 25% of every dollar you failed to withdraw. Here's where a Roth IRA is a better alternative, since it's funded with after-tax dollars and has no required minimum distributions. Okay, question number five. You can't borrow from your traditional IRA. True or false? That one is also true. While you may be allowed to borrow from a 401k or 403b, not advisable, by the way, you can't borrow from an IRA even for a good cause like buying a house or sending your kid to college. If you withdraw funds from your traditional IRA, the money will be added to your adjusted gross income and taxed at your income tax rate. And it's possible that the withdrawal could push some of your income into an even higher tax rate. So you don't want to do that. Okay, so those are some of the things you may not have known about an IRA. I hope you did well on our pop quiz and I hope you had a little fun in the process. All right, your calls are next. The number, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back. We're grateful for support from Guidestone, whose diversified suite of investment solutions align with Christian values to create positive change in the world. More information is available at GuidestoneFunds.com. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of Guidestone Funds before investing. They're distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, which is not an advisory affiliate, a registered investment advisor, nor do they provide investment advice. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions now on anything financial. We'd love to hear from you. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We'll tackle whatever you're thinking about. Our promise to you is to be hopeful and encouraging, bring you wisdom from God's Word, the principles and the ideas that we see on the heart of God in Scripture, and apply that to your decisions and choices today so you can be a faithful steward of God's resources. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, Let's begin in Illinois. Hi, Terry. How can I help you, sir? Hi. 
Rob. Um, I have a question regarding uh, some additional savings that I've accumulated over a little time here. And I'm interested in putting it into a money market fund through an investor that I have a Roth IRA with already. And uh, okay. I'm interested in doing that. But I just didn't know if it's the best time to put it into it now with the way the economy is going and such. Unsure about that. That's why I've held on to it for as long as I did. Um, but now the CD rates are quite high and and so I'm yeah. interested in putting it in that. So I'm yeah. just kind of in between. They, they recommend doing more of an aggressive approach if I were to put it in the money market fund. Yeah. Well, a money market at a bank, so a money market deposit account, it was going to be guaranteed and FDIC insured. A money market fund is not because uh, you're going to have a pool of money markets and it's an investment product and therefore it's not covered by the FDIC. Um, it, it really comes down to safety, liquidity, and rate. Um, so I guess my question would be, what is this money earmarked for? And, and, and along with that, what is the time horizon on it? And how safe do you want this to be in terms of, are you willing to take some risk or do you really want to stay in guaranteed products? Um, we want to take some risk. I'm looking for some growth. I mean, it's probably more or less uh, geared towards uh, retirement. I just don't want to relinqu- excuse me, relinquish it all right now to something locked into that. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, some already for emergency fund and such. I have that base. This is just outside of that. Um, so it'd be like, yeah, more of a money market fund tied to mutual funds and such through that. Yeah, well, a money market fund is going to give you a, a fairly modest rate of return, and it's going to be still very safe, even though it's not guaranteed like a money market deposit account or a savings account or a CD, uh, but still on the very conservative end of the risk spectrum and going to give you conservative, uh, you know, type returns. Um, so the the returns we're seeing right now are going to be, you know, fairly modest. I think if you're wanting to take a little bit of risk and you've got the right time horizon. And let me just clarify that before I go on. Uh, when you say you want this to be available for retirement, how far out are we looking? Um, probably a 10-year ten, ten look at it. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and also, it would be tied to like, a, like a mutual funds and such like that. So, you know, yes, I, there will be some you know, risk in it. Uh, and yeah, she kind so of recommends that... more of an aggressive with my timeline. Okay. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And that's where I was going to go next. I wouldn't, and maybe it's just the terminology, but that's not considered a money market fund. A money market fund is just a mutual fund of money markets uh, that are very safe. So those are very short-term bills, bonds, and notes that are being bought and sold to create that very conservative portfolio. But I think given your 10-year time horizon and the fact that you have that emergency fund, you're willing to take a little bit of risk, you want to grow this, putting it into mutual funds, maybe that's what you heard her say, is is a great way to go, get some growth out of this, especially with the market down where it is off its highs from, uh, you know, the pre-pandemic and even following the pandemic. Um, with the last year, we've seen a sell-off in the market. We're going to have a rocky year this year, especially with most economists thinking we have a recession coming around the corner. But your focus wouldn't be this year or even next year or the year after. Your focus is, you know, 10 years plus down the road. And for that reason, I think, 
think this would be a great time for you to begin to move it into the market and using a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund to have maybe a, a mix of stocks and bonds, um, you know, I think is a great opportunity for you, especially with the market down. So as the market recovers, whether that's later this year or next year, you'd have the ability to participate that over the next decade and perhaps grow this, you know, beyond what you would get in a CD or something like that. So I'm on board with that strategy, Terry, if, if that's what you're comfortable with. Yeah, that's basically what I'm looking for. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to kind of okay. second look at it, second, yeah. second opinion on this and yeah, I like it a lot. And if you already have a relationship with this advisor, I think perhaps she's the one to uh, help you deploy it. And so maybe you add it to what is already being managed. But I think that the general idea is right. The question now is just what investments, what mutual funds to buy, how much toward stocks, how much toward bonds. What is your age, if you don't mind me asking, Terry? Uh, 57. Okay. So normally we'd say, okay, you take 110 minus your age, just as a rule of thumb. So you might want to have as much as 50 to even 60% in, in bonds, um, somewhere between 40 and, excuse me, in stocks, somewhere between 40 and 60%, and then somewhere between 40 and 60% in bonds. I'd probably skew a little more to the stocks, uh, 50 to 60% in stocks, and then 40 to 50% in bonds. That's going to give you not as volatile a portfolio over the next decade as an all-stock portfolio, you probably are going to achieve returns that are slightly less, but it's not going to see as much of the wild fluctuation. So, uh, but you can work that out with her, but I think the big idea in terms of the direction you're headed is the right one. We appreciate you calling today and uh, being on the program, sir. Uh, quickly to Cleveland. Hi, Laura. Go right ahead. Hi. My question is, uh, well, here's, here's the situation. Okay, I'm 63 years old. I retired at the end of December. My husband is 12 years older than I am, and he's not in good health. So I'm expecting at some point to uh, take the survivor's benefit as far as Social Security is concerned. Um, but I wanted to know that um, whether or not if I just go ahead and start taking the benefits on my own, I'm taking my own Social Security benefits at a reduced rate because I'm only 63, if that will cause the survivor benefit that I eventually take when I re reach my full retirement age, um, if it would cause uh, like a percentage reduction in that. It will not. Uh, so you can start taking your Social Security benefits now, Laura. They will be, of course, permanently reduced by 8% roughly for each year you take them prior to full retirement age. Um, so you could expect as much as maybe a 32% reduction at 62 versus full retirement age on your benefits. But that only applies to your benefits. When your husband goes home to be with the Lord, you can claim a survivor's benefit and you'd get the full amount of that benefit you're entitled to. You wouldn't be penalized for taking your benefits early. Of course, when you start taking survivor's benefits, you'll no longer receive your benefits based on your work record. You just get one or the other, whichever is higher. Okay, and they would allow me to, to like, say he died before I was, you know, before I was my full retirement age, like at 64 or 65, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to apply until I turned my full retirement age, correct? They wouldn't make me apply before my full retirement age, right? Uh, that's right. You could continue on your own record and then choose to switch over to your husband's um, uh, survivor's benefits at a point down the road. Okay. That's, yep. that's basically what I needed to know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good. I do have one more question. Well, I've only got about 30 seconds. Make it real quick for me. Oh, unfortunately, I'm I'm not able to hear you. So let's do this. I'm going to have you hold the line, Laura. I'll see if I can talk to you off the air. Uh, it got a little uh, staticky there for us. We appreciate your call. You just stay right there. I'm Rob West. You're listening to Faith and Finance, and we'll have more of your calls and questions on the other side of this break. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foreside Fund Services, LLC. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985. We're back. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for taking the time. As we head into our calls and questions, I want to take a moment to ask you if you've downloaded the FaithFi app. You can use it on your desktop or your mobile device. All right, let's head to the phones. By the way, if you have a question, just call 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. All right, back to the phones we go. The lines are all full, so we're going to move as quickly as we can. Uh, Let's go to Cleveland. Hi, Kathy. How can I help you? Hi. Um, thanks for having me on the air. Um, so I, my question is about taxes and investments. So we have basically my husband and I are both middle-aged and we have grown children, so we just don't have a lot of deductions at this point other than our home. We got hit pretty hard this year with additional taxes beyond what we had taken from our paychecks. So we were trying to prepare better for next year, and instead of doing additional withholdings, we were thinking about um, taking that same money and putting it into an IRA or something along those lines so that we don't get hit so hard next year. Yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts, though, about just going ahead and making the adjustment on the W-4? And that way, if you did nothing, at least you'd come out, you know, even on terms in terms of paying in what you need to. And then if you have the ability to set up maybe an auto payment throughout the year, because now you've got a little bit, you know, extra uh, in your paycheck, you know, you could make that contribution directly. Okay. Yeah. That's another way. We were just hoping to, you know, use that money to more of an advantage where, you know, it could set set us up for the future as well. Yeah, I see. So your, your idea would be that uh, because you're not, you've got more coming in each month because you're not withholding quite enough, you would go ahead and pay that in 
during the year to your IRA. The the question would just be, can you sync that up in such a way where the total of your contributions gets your adjusted gross income down low enough to where you're kind of matching the, you know, what is required of you in terms of your, your annual tax liability? Um, that's going to be a little tricky to do. You may be able to do it. I just would hate for you to come out on the short side of that and then all of a sudden find yourself paying some, you know, penalties or interest or both. Um, so I think I would probably feel better just getting that withholding right. And then let's, you know, still look for ways to cut back and, and fund retirement. Are you all funding retirement through company sponsored plans already? Yes, we are. Okay. And do you feel like you're on track with that? We have some catch up to do. Okay. Yeah. So I'd probably focus there as opposed to the the IRA strategy. If it were me, I'd go ahead and get the withholding right. Let's just know that we know that we're kind of on track to have that, uh, you know, what needs to be paid in throughout the year paid in. And then let's go to work on the budget and just keep dialing up that percentage into the 401k, trying to get up to 15%. Now, if, if you want to take a portion of that and redirect it to a Roth because your 401k is the traditional variety, and you'd like some money growing tax-free, I could get on board with that. Uh, you know, and this isn't a bad strategy. I'm just a little leery of you, you know, trying to figure it out in such a way where you hope it's going to come out all right versus having the proper amount withhold and then dealing with it, you know, on the other side of the ledger and trying to dial back expenses so you can continue to increase your retirement contributions. I think I'd feel a little bit better about that. And, um, you know, if it works for you, then you could keep that up. I think I'd probably go with the W-4 adjustment, though, if it were me. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome, Kathy. Thanks for calling. Uh, St. Louis. Hey, Brian, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, I got a personal testimony. I hope this encourages everybody. Cool. Yeah. Years ago, I had, I ran into some serious financial problems whereby I made the huge mistake of taking out personal loans to try and repair things and wound up with not just a car payment, but nine personal loans on top of that. And that was a whole lot of debt. And I started getting a little scared how I was going to make payments every month. And I said, Lord, if I'm going to make, if you're going to be the Lord and Savior of every aspect of my life, that also includes my finances. So I, where I was reading that in the scriptures, I took all my monthly bills, laid it on my Bible, prayed over it, and I said, Lord, I need your divine intervention. And one by one, I was able to do this where I paid off the smallest debt first, the money I used to pay on that smallest debt, I applied that to the next smallest and the next smallest and after that. And right now I owe $35 on my credit card and that's it. Wow. That's incredible. Without filing bankruptcy. Man, that's awesome, Brian. Now, what would you attribute that to? I mean, did you just really cut back and scrutinize every expense and trim, you know, every possible area you could, or what did it take to get to this point? The secret thing I had to realize, and I think a lot of people got to realize, is what is the difference between a want and a need? Like, well, Lord, you know, and ever since I did this, God's been opening financial things in my behalf about this and that. And I don't like, what did I do to deserve this? And he's consistently, <laughs> obedience has rewards. 
Oh, wow. That's incredible. Uh, you know, it's it's such a great point because so often we can get those things really confused, can't we? The, the needs and wants, and uh, we become an endless list of needs and wants. And until we can create some margin in our lives to be able to give as God directs and dump debt like you've been able to do, which puts you in a position so now you can experience some freedom and joy and peace of mind and even the ability to respond to the leading of the Lord in giving. Uh, what a blessing that is. And and an opportunity. I'm confident, Brian, you have absolutely been an encouragement to our listeners today. Thanks for calling, my friend. Thanks for that testimony. All right, let's round out the program today. Back to the phones quickly to Florida. Hey, Mark, how are you? Not doing fine, thank you. Good. Um, how can I help? I'm, I'm thinking about turning my my garage. I have a two two in a garage uh, into a you know into a little room that I can rent out to somebody. Um, I have about $200,000 in equity in my house. Um, what is the best way to try to finance this? It should cost me about, about $30,000 to Yeah, to, uh, do, do you have a first mortgage currently? Yeah. yeah. I have $120,000 left on it. Okay, yeah, I'd probably get a home equity loan, not a line of credit with a variable rate, but a home equity loan that's a fixed rate. Uh, they're going to be higher today, obviously, than they were a year or so ago. But, uh, you know, as long as you've got the ability to rent it out, and I would just make sure you check with your municipality to be sure there's not anything that's going to prevent you from renting out the room. Probably not, but it's always good to check, especially if you're putting money into a reno project specifically for this purpose. There was something slowing you down. You'd want to know that ahead of time. But I would use a home equity loan to answer your question. Okay. Okay. Is that different than the HELOC or is that the same thing? Just it is. Different it's different than the home equity line of credit. The main difference is the loan's going to give you a stated amount up front uh, at closing, and they're going to do it at a fixed interest rate so it won't move up and down. A home equity line of credit is just a line that's available to draw on, but it's going to be a variable rate that moves. I'd go with the loan, not the line of credit. Thanks for your call today. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast, but tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.